To all you guys in the band, thank you guys for each and every Sunday leading us in worship. Uh, it's, it's a joy even this morning watching you guys not just play instrumentally, but actually worship and, and join in us in worship. It's been a joy to have you guys each week. Thank you all so much. Um, this morning was especially rich, and, and honestly, I kind of thought as we end a semester and we end a year, uh, and for us here at Southwood, this has been our second year. Uh, we opened up in August of 2008, and as we wrap up a second year here, I'll, I'll tell you guys for me, I'm having been back on staff here at Grace for three years now, this year in particular has been one of my most exciting and, and challenging and fun years. I, I feel like getting to walk life out with you guys, getting to know you guys better, I feel like I've been able to see the Lord do things in your life in ways and in extents that I haven't seen uh, ever since I've been back here. Um, in many regards, for those of us who serve it here at Grace, we kind of feel like this is one of the most unique places in the earth. And that the Spirit of God continues to move here in ways that are so unique and so special. And for us, it's a privilege to get to be a part of it, but in particular to get a front row seat to it at times. To kind of see what the Lord is doing in your life. And even this semester, as we walk through hard questions week in and week out, getting to interact with you guys afterwards and getting to hear not just what you're chewing on, what the Lord's teaching you guys, but also how He's moving in your lives week in and week out and getting to talk to you guys has been for me a, a joy unlike any other. And so thank you guys for being a part of this place. Uh, thank you guys for worshiping here. And even more, thank you guys for opening yourselves up to us as, as interns and as staff to get to be a part of your lives and get to hear and get a, a front row seat at times all that the Lord is doing in your life. It's a huge joy for us. Uh, one of the hugest joys for me also is, is uh, also one of the biggest curses uh, for us. For both Marcy and I, our, our greatest heart is college ministry. We love where you guys are at in life. We love giving our lives to you guys, investing in y'all. Uh, one of the hardest parts of that uh, is the fact that you guys leave us. So uh, for about two weeks, you guys will leave town, and we'll love it because the restaurants are empty. Uh, but after about two weeks, we miss you guys again, all right? Um, and in particular for us uh, as on staff here at Grace, as we invest our lives in you guys and y'all graduate, you leave us for many ways. Our heart doesn't really recover at times. You guys take a piece of our heart away with you guys. And and in particular for me this morning, uh, as John and Brittany Yeager leave us, I-, I will tell you guys, one of the reasons why this year has been so joyful for, for both Marcy and I has been because of them. Um, it-, it is a joy to get to serve with people that are uniquely gifted, but even more, to have the privilege to serve with people that you just love, um, that you'd want to be with on a Sunday morning at church, but that you'd want to spend Friday night with as well. When you get that kind of combo, it is unique, uh, and it has been a joy for us to get to serve with these guys. Um, you guys have seen both John and Brittany in all different kinds of ways. Uh, John has been up here on announcements. John is also behind the scenes. He spends a couple hours every Sunday morning getting this room uh, set clean uh, in orderly fashion so that you guys can come in here and and worship undistractedly. And so they're both behind the scenes. Brittany's been up here for a a good part of a year and a half that they've been here uh, leading and and helping sing with Tyler and worship. And and they have been both up front. They've been behind the scenes. They have uh, been leading Bible studies. They've been leading wrap-ups. They've been discipling students. And the only thing that they really haven't done is what they're about to do here in the next few weeks, and that's lead a summer project overseas. And so they're going to be leading a team of about 15 of your peers overseas to Greece. Tough life, I know it, but that's their job this summer. So uh, this is their last Sunday, and so I just want to give you guys a chance. I know he said it himself, but uh, be sure to say goodbye to these guys. Uh, You may get to see them later on this summer when they come back, maybe, uh, but they may be in and out, and so you may not have a chance to say goodbye and and thank them for being here and serving and and leading and worshiping with us. And so uh, for both Marcy and I, we love these guys, and uh, part of our heart's really going to go when they leave, and it doesn't get replaced. And so... Um, there's also a couple more people that are transitioning uh, into new phases this morning, um, actually here in the next few days. A couple for us is this is our last Sunday. That's our spring Sunday. We also call it our senior Sunday. And so there's a couple people that I want you guys to hear the opportunity to hear from. Uh, two people that are going to be graduating and transitioning to what the Lord's called them to, both looking in very different places as the Lord has called them as they leave college. Both have had different college experiences. And what I wanted you guys to have the opportunity as we kind of close out this semester is just to briefly hear from them, kind of what has the Lord done in their lives? Where has He done it in their lives? How has He done it? And then as they transition, what is the Lord calling them to? 
Um, and so both uh, Titus Bagaby and Courtney Todd are going to have the opportunity to kind of share with you guys and kind of give you a sense of kind of what has the Lord done in their college career um, and kind of what, are they, what is he uh, doing as they transition out of college and, and then a few pieces of, of parting wisdom for you guys as they take off. So Titus, you want to uh, hobble on up here, my friend? Give him a second. All right, there you go. Look at you. You look sharp. All right, Titus. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, man. How y'all doing? <laughs> I'm Titus Bagby. I'm class of 09, so there's no whoops in the crowd. So, Oh, there's one. <laughs> well, um, real quick, I'd just like to share my uh, college experiences with y'all. Just kind of before coming into college, I was actually kind of shy. And um, I grew up in a Christian household, but towards the end of my high school career, I decided... Um, I wanted to go ahead and start doing things my own way and start making friends, and um, I didn't think God's plans were relevant for me at the time. So coming into freshman year, I definitely uh, entered into a lifestyle that was very selfish. Um, I definitely sought my own way in a lot of different areas of life. I joined a frat and um, decided that partying on the weekends was the best thing I could have here in my college experience for a while. Um, and I, the idea of God's love was still very distant to me. Um, I didn't think it was much of a relationship. And I just told myself I'd be a good Christian when I got out of college and got all the fun out of my system. But shortly after that, that summer, um, after my freshman year, I, I definitely hit the lowest point in my life. And um, it took a bad relationship for me to realize that a lot of the things I was seeking were not um, bringing me the fulfillment I was uh, wanting and longing for. But obviously, God had bigger plans for my life. And uh, even though I tried to set him aside, he did not set me aside. So very quickly into my uh, sophomore year, I still tried to continue in some of the things I was doing. Um, but again, I was just not seeing the results I was seeking in those things. And uh, people in my life, like my friend Travis, uh, kept inviting me out to break away. Um, then uh, people in my life, like John Dimon from Houston's First Baptist, uh, just kept following up with me and uh, checking in on me and not really judging me for the lifestyle I had. And so I could very clearly see that God was moving um, and decided to go ahead and get out of the frat I was in. And um, that, that Christmas, that break, I decided to go to Passion, uh, 2007, and uh, I feel like God kind of hit me square between the eyes um, with, that, with that conference, with the, especially like a sermon on lukewarm Christianity. I was like, that's me. Like, that's, that's where I've been, and I don't want to do that anymore. And so kind of from that point, I decided I wanted to be sold out for Christ. And that next semester, uh, my roommate Chad invited me out to a Grace Growth Group, and uh, it was led by the one and only Danny Stimson, if y'all have the chance to know him. And uh, it was definitely the greatest group I've ever been in and a great group of guys. Like, I got plugged in. I, um, I experienced a lot of joy in my life for the first time, being in that community and being with those people. Um, and uh, at the end of that semester, well, one of the cool things in that semester, um, I got a chance to go to Beach Reach, um, which is like a ministry down in South Padre that kind of serves college students while they're on spring break. And it's funny because the previous semester, I was definitely thinking I was going to go down there for the wrong reasons. But then God's like, no, I'm going to use you to serve college students and uh, just like you just a semester ago. So I thought that was really cool. And the semester, um, my sophomore year ended with me getting a Grace Leadership invite. And uh, I couldn't have been more, more stoked about that. Getting into junior year, I led my first uh, group, got to be a chance my first coach group, and got to be discipled by people like Stephen Villison and Charles Jenkins, if you all had a chance to know them. Got to be in accountability for the first time with Jason Upmore back there. And that was, uh, that was really cool. Really changed my life in a lot of ways. But even with leadership, I started to see like there was a lot of struggles and a lot of uh, hardships. And um, I feel like in those hard times that God really taught me a lot through those things. Transferring into my senior year, a lot of really cool things happened. Started dating my girlfriend, Crystal, 
here. <laughs> Had a chance to go on a couple more uh, mission projects, one to L.A., and I really got to see how big God can, like, move in different areas of the country. And then lastly, East Asia really changed my life. Had a chance to go with Marty Scott over to East Asia and a team of 14, and it uh, really just changed my whole perspective on, like, what God can do in the world. And um, really, really had a lot of growth that year, uh, senior year. So coming into this last senior year, my super senior year, I uh, got to lead fellowship team with Grace, which has been such a joy. It's been, a, it's been real difficult, a lot more involved, doing a lot more things there. But then uh, just this last year, I've seen God's provision in so many different ways, um, whether it be being stretched with school, work, and, and fellowship team, but then also having a broken femur. Um, God has showed me he's, uh, he's big, and he can do a lot of big things in my life. And so through this whole process, I've just kind of been wrestling like where I want to go later on in life. And um, I felt like it was undeniable that God was definitely leading me, leading me to ministry. All the doors for Job World kind of closed up here in this last semester. And uh, I couldn't be more excited to uh, be interning with y'all this next year uh, here at Grace Bible and actually here at Southwoods. So that's kind of what God's been doing in my life through college. And um, thanks, for, thanks for listening in. Just real quick, yeah, I'm going to do an internship next year. And then uh, after that, I mean, who knows, like, I, I would like to say possibly seminary, more likely missions, um, but definitely like ministry of some kind. And um, this is all if God leads me there. And just a few, a few like exhortations for you real quick. I'd say get plugged in. That's, that's the best thing you can do here. People have been the biggest way I've seen God move in my life. And I think getting plugged in, you will see that, whether it be a growth group, where it's having a chance to get discipled or lead, um, God will definitely move in that area of your life. I'd say next is um, reading. <laughs> it's been a kind of a weird thing, you know. We were reading all, all these books in college, but uh, I, when I finally decided to start picking up reading for my own, like it's been such a joy and a blessing. And um, definitely reading the Word of God has really changed my life in a lot of different areas. And lastly, I'd say missions. If you if you have any chance to do anything in your college career, it'd be missions. I think that's the place where God's going to really grow you and teach you something that you would never expect. So, thanks for listening. Okay, I'm Courtney, for those of y'all that don't know me, and I'm just kind of going to talk about my walk with the Lord, um, a little bit of advice to leave y'all with, and then what the future looks like for me as I'm graduating in less than a week. My relationship with the Lord in college definitely turned into a relationship and such a sweet friendship than it was in years past and in the beginning of my faith. I can truly say it's more of a daily pursuit than it's ever been. And two words of advice I would give y'all, or two I guess, things I would advise. I have had the opportunity to be um, in a position of leadership and also been involved in small groups. And I would say that those are two things that have grown my faith tremendously, in addition to one third thing. First, I've had the opportunity to be the chaplain of my sorority, which was never a position I saw myself in, but has been the biggest blessing. I've had the opportunity to walk alongside girls who this is their first semester and everything was new and exciting and terrifying at the same time. And they had so many questions, but yet brought so much joy. And I also had the opportunity to kind of walk alongside girls who've been here a lot longer and know the ropes and had some serious struggles. So it was very humbling. I also, it's funny that Titus mentioned this, had the opportunity to go to the Passion Conference in Atlanta this past January. And it was cool that we sang the song Hosea, which means praise, because it was the coolest opportunity worshiping with 22,000 college students, bigger than the whole filling of Reed Arena. There was another arena because there were so many of us. 
And it was the coolest thing. Passion, for those of y'all that don't know, is really a movement rising up of this generation, just encouraging and supporting and worshiping together. It was the coolest glimpse of heaven that I've ever seen. And through that, I walked away with just um, a joy for being in the Lord's Word and um, just a passion to represent Him. And also the third thing that I think has shaped my college the most has been getting involved in Bible studies, um, specifically through grace. I know that I can confidently walk away with skills that I learned in those. So whatever my next phase looks like, whatever I'm studying, um, I can apply those there. And then the future for me looks like I will be in Dallas teaching um, English as a second language, hopefully to fourth or fifth graders. And I had a unique opportunity last summer to work with predominantly Hispanic adults, and it was incredible. These adults were some of the coolest people I've ever met, and they were learning how to speak English for the first time. And the Lord just really created a passion for me and for literacy, and um, I'm so confident that that's where I'm supposed to be in the fall. And I've had people in college really blessed to have incredible roommates and sweet influences who have walked with me through college, specifically um, Marcy, Trey's wife, who has kind of just helped me and encouraged me and loved on me and helped talk me through um, specifically tough situations. So my hope for my students in the future is that I will be able to love on them and encourage them to walk through the tough situations that they will be going through probably um, at home and every day. I and mean, my hope for them is that I can just um, show them Christ's love in its various forms. So that's me. Titus and Courtney, thank you guys for sharing this morning. You know, honestly, I, I wanted these two in particular to share with you guys this morning because one of the things I love is if you guys remember from the first Sunday Back in the fall that we started, August 30th this, uh, this year, we said, hey, as, as a vision and, and our mission as a church is to raise up next generation leaders to reach our world for Christ. And, and what I love about hearing about Titus and, and uh, hearing about Courtney is that what the Lord has done in their lives and where he's led them and where he's brought them, they've had an opportunity to lead here, here at Texas A&M University. And even more what I love and what I want you guys to see as they take off is that they've been called to serve and to, and to walk with the Lord in very different vocations. I, one of the things I want you guys to hear in particular as y'all are racing through school and as y'all get looking at a day, hopefully, Lord willing, to come that you guys will graduate, is that I think it is as strategic and it is as spiritual to step in toward ministry as it is to step into teaching, or as it is to step into a home, as it is to step into a hospital, as it is to step into a business corporation. And one of the things I want you guys to hear in many large part, and the reason why I had both of them share, is that I think they both have a vision as they step where they're stepping just to honor the Lord. And then it looks different in different vocations, but all vocations can be that way. And so I want you guys to hear very clearly, even from up front, as you guys are looking at what the Lord may have for you guys, I'm hoping as you all look at careers that it's not that in some ways ministry is a super spiritual deal at all. I don't think that's the case at all. But what I want you guys to think as you look at your life and your career and your values and your worldview is that, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, your faith in Jesus, would impact every arena of your life. And so really, in, in many regards, as we walk through this spring series on tough questions and difficult issues, really my hope for you guys is that you've begun to see how, in a sense, the gospel and your faith in Jesus Christ impacts every arena of your life. It impacts not just what you believe, but it impacts your bedroom, it impacts your sexual life, it impacts your career, it impacts your politics, it impacts social justice, it impacts every different arena of your life, that it is not just something that is, in a sense, compartmentalized away. And that it impacts every arena, every, every spot you step. And that's my hope for you guys as you guys see that. And what I want to do this morning is we're going to take a look at a quick passage. If you guys will turn to Exodus chapter 15. In many regards, this Sunday is a big Sunday. Uh, one, it's Mother's Day. So uh, 
Gentlemen, especially, don't forget to call your mom, all right? Um, I forgot my mom's birthday on several occasions, but don't forget Mother's Day, okay? Call her, please, do something, all right? Um, also, for you guys, it's the last Sunday as the spring ends, um, and, and for many of you guys, some of y'all are graduating and leaving, and you may not necessarily be back with us next year. The great majority of you guys are taking a break for summer school, not doing classes, going to go at a, to a camp, going on a mission trip, going to travel, whatever, going to do an internship, and so we won't see you guys for three weeks, or three months. Some of you guys will see in about two weeks, you poor, poor souls. We will love to see you, but you will be slaving away in summer school, and it's okay. We'll be here, all right? Um, but either way, you guys, this Sunday, you know, have, have a break coming. Um, and as you guys look at that break, whether it's two weeks, whether it's three months, or whether now you guys have left the slavery of school for a lifetime, I want to kind of give you guys some parting shots, and in a sense, for some of you guys, and the majority of y'all, kind of some of our survival tips, all right? We're going to look at a passage in Exodus chapter 15. It's going to come right after God has parted the Red Seas and right after he's given them a miraculous sense of his activity and his work. And in Exodus chapter 15, what you're going to see Israel doing is praising God, singing. It's going to be both Moses and the nation, and they're going to be exalting and praising God and celebrating all that he's done. Since I don't have finals, I've had about two weeks where life has been slowing down and been able to kind of look back and recollect all that God has done, not just in my life, but even in y'all's lives. And it's been really, really fun. It's been, for me, a, a place of, of celebration. Um, and in many regards, I've been able to do over the last two weeks, I think, what Israel's doing here in Exodus 15. Some of y'all, y'all won't get this opportunity, maybe until you're in the car driving away after your last final. But as that process goes and as that road trip occurs, I hope you guys have a chance to really recollect on all that you've seen God do. What were those fears? What were those concerns? What were those things that you were really hung up on? And how did you see God move in that? How did you see God answer prayers? I hope you guys take a moment, have an opportunity, even as you're driving back home, maybe with all your stuff and by yourself, that you have a chance, or even with a friend, to recollect, hey, what did God do this year? And as you guys recount that, I hope you guys have an opportunity, like Exodus chapter 15, to recount and praise God for that. But what I want to show you Exodus 15 is because by the end of the chapter and in Exodus 16, what you're going to see is Israel is about to embark here on a three-month journey a lot like your summer break. And what you're going to see is in the midst of all that they saw, it's going to take three short days for everything to come crumbling down, all right? So I'm not trying to depress you what's going to happen this summer, all right? But what I want to do is give you guys some survival tips. If Israel's going to fare poorly in a sense in their summer, how do they fare poorly and why? And and how do you make some steps to to remedy that? So look with me at Exodus chapter 15 as they sing in a sense here. We're going to look at verses 1 to 6. Exodus chapter 15. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Ferriot's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea, and the choices of his officers are drowned in the Red Sea. Deeps cover them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Israel exults and celebrates on all that they've seen God do in the past. As they look back on all that they saw God do, they celebrate and they're rejoicing and they're singing because he's done so many things. I want you guys to look, though, you're going to see they celebrate not just his past activity, but they're going to have confidence in his future activity as well. Look at me, verses 13 to 15. The song continues on, In your loving kindness, you have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them to your holy habitation. The peoples have trembled, they tremble. Anguish has gripped the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. The leaders of Moab trembling grips them. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. 
Notice in Exodus 15, the first half of it, as Israel sings, they're celebrating God's past activity. And as they celebrate His past activity, they have confidence in His future activity. As they've escaped from slavery, they're confident of what God is going to do as they enter into the wilderness and as they head to the promised land, a land that He's promised and He's guaranteed that they'll receive. They've seen so much that they're so celebratory and they're so confident-based of what God is still about to do. The real fascinating thing is, though, it's going to take about three days for this celebration and this confidence to come crashing down. Three simple days, and this whole thing is going to become like a house of cards, and it's just going to collapse. In fact, I was kind of thinking this morning, even of uh, a trip that Marcy and I took a couple years ago. We have three partnership locations in our mission trips here as a college ministry. One is East Asia, one is Africa, and then we have one in Europe as well. A few years ago, we kind of felt like the Lord was closing the door on Italy, that our work was finished, and so we were looking for a new place in, in Europe to go. Um, and so that led to uh, the missions pastor and then me kind of representing college missions going on an, a scouting trip. And since it was to Greece, I was able to talk Marcy into going with us. And so uh, Marcy, Pat, Coyle, I, and a few other people took off for a scouting trip to kind of see what was the Lord doing in Greece and whether that was the place that we felt like as a college ministry that we were going to land and kind of get a sense of, hey, what, what might God have for us as a college ministry? Since we were going to Greece, we thought, you know what, it'd kind of be a travesty to not spend a few days um, on a Santorini Grecian island, right? So we, we tacked a few days extra on the trip, got there a little early, and planned on getting to Santorini, all right? So we had seen pictures of this place. It was amazing, all right? We had all kinds of hopes, all kinds of excitement, all kinds of anticipation of what was going to happen. We get on this flight, we jump on, and no trouble, Houston to Athens, we were there, bingo, bango, done. It was great. All right, then we get a jump on, and we have a few hours laying over in the Athens airport, and we're going to jump on this little puddle jumper from Athens to Santorini, all right? Seemingly nothing was going wrong. We jump on this plane, load our luggage, load our stuff. We're flying, and it's going great. Uh, again, we're exciting, we're celebrating, we're so confident of all that's about to happen, and then all of a sudden the wind picks up. The wind picks up, and this little puddle jumper plane begins to just kind of surf like it's on the sea, all right? And then as we get closer to the island and we begin to descend, it gets even worse. It gets so bad that they actually end up having to go back up, circle around a few times, and then they actually have to turn back and we go all the way back to Athens. Uh, our hearts are, are beginning to be crushed. So we get back to Athens, we unload. We're, again, keeping in mind, we just already had a, a humongous trip from Houston all the way to Athens. We're exhausted, we're tired. We get back in the airport, and then we wait. Uh, we're going to have a, a flight delayed, and we wait for it, and then it gets delayed again, all right? In fact, it gets delayed to the next day. So Marcy and I are like, there's no way in the world we're going to sleep in a hotel. We're going to change our flight. There's another company flying to Santorini that night, so we changed our tickets. We paid a few hundred extra dollars to get there that night. That plane gets delayed to the next morning. So now they get us in a bus. They send us to a hotel in Athens where we sleep for all of three hours before the bus picks us back up again for an early morning flight that gets delayed all right so then there's not another flight for whatever reason in that airline so we switch flights back to the original airline and this time get in the air fly again and guess what winds pick up turn back around all right we get back to the Athens airport now after three flight delays two flight failures essentially and guess what three days we're sitting in the airport and I will tell you my will was crushed I did not want to eat. I did not want to talk. I did not want to make a decision. All that I knew and all that I could fathom was this. There was a $400 a night hotel on the other side of the street from the airport. And all I wanted to do was go to the hotel, fall asleep, and just self-pity. All right? Uh, all kinds of excitement in about three days had come crashing to a halt. And I could care less about Santorini. All right? What's going to happen for the nation of Israel is the exact same. Three simple days, and what you're going to see is all their excitement, all their celebration is going to come crashing to a halt. And then they're going to do fairly well. We're going to get another leg of the journey, and it's going to come crashing down even more. So watch this. Here's what happens. Exodus chapter 15, verses 22 to 27. Read with me. 
Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. Thank you. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Notice, three days, no water. All right. I think it's interesting that their struggle wasn't necessarily with food, but with water. Why? What had God just done with water? He had parted the Red Sea, all right? And they walked all the way through it. And if they didn't have any confidence of what he could do with water, they should have, right? But three simple days and all that they had seen is going to come collapsing down and they're going to begin to grumble. They're going to begin to whine. They're going to begin to complain because they don't think God's best intentions are theirs. And they're going to begin to wander in the wilderness, scared, uh, hopeless, and grumbling. But notice, what does God do? I think this is going to be fascinating. Watch this. Uh, then Moses cries out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and, it, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Look with me, verse 27. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. Three days into this journey, like a house of cards, their faith collapses. God, in their grumbling, is going to respond to their grumbling and their complaining with incredible grace. He's going to provide, and he's going to transform the waters from bitterness to sweet, and then he's going to lead them in the wilderness to a a beautiful resort-like location. Twelve springs of water, 70 date palms. It's like you're traveling through West Texas, dying of thirst. You find a sonic, amen. And then you find a resort with a lazy river with palm trees, right? Okay, that's what happens for the nation of Israel, all right? In the middle of barren, death-like brown West Texas in the summer, they find a sonic, they find a resort, all right? And they camp out. Apparently, they're going to camp out for a little bit of time. So we're going to find them in Exodus chapter 16. And we're going to have another leg of the journey, but we're going to have an even worse result. A worse result, though, that takes a little bit longer to happen. They did even better, right? Verse 16, here's what happens. And they set out for Elim. They finally leave. And all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. So now they've been a few weeks away. They've lasted a little longer, better than three days, but here's what happens. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We're a few weeks into the trip, and look how bad they've gotten. All right? They're not just whining anymore, but they actually believe that God has brought them out of slavery of Egypt, brought them into the wilderness to kill them. I, I will be honest with you guys, I kind of felt this a little bit sitting in the airport after three flight delays and two failed flights. I felt hopeless. I was despairing of life itself. Nothing could have seemed worse than what I would just walk through, all right? That's where Israel is, okay? Israel's complaining, and what I, one of the things I loved, and I think this fascinating kind of a side tidbit for you guys, is notice their revisionist history. Notice the taskmasters they had, but notice how they depict life in Israel. They said that we sat by pots of meat. Which just seems kind of crazy, right? Just pots of meat, I guess. All right, guys are like, I kind of like this. Girls are like, that's kind of weird. I don't know. But look at the kind of the rosy view they had of Egypt as they look back. Uh, let me kind of say to some of you guys that are graduating, you, you guys have longed to be out of this place. The idea of being away from school seems like a fairy tale that is finally about to be accomplished. I will tell you guys in about a month of your job, if you call me, I will tell you, I will guarantee and bet on it that you would do anything to be back right here. That the autonomy that you've had in school and the freedoms that you've had being around people that are all your age and the kind of fun that you've had, you would never give back up for what you're about to head to. And so what's going to happen for a lot of you guys as you guys leave is rosy revisionist history. You guys are not going to remember the exams and the finals and the all-nighters and the horrible professors, the unjust taskmasters that you guys had. All you're going to remember is rosiness. It happens no matter your transition, but notice what God does in the transition. He's going to respond again in a way that I think is just beyond belief. Look what, look what he does. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, 
and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I, will, that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moses says, hey, you've grumbled against the Lord. You've grumbled against his appointed sovereign leadership. You've thought he's brought you out into the wilderness to die. But guess what? He's still going to move and he's still going to respond. And he's going to move beyond what you deserve. He's going to give them provision day in and day out. It's going to rain from heaven. It's just going to appear on the ground. So they're going to wake up every morning. They're going to go and find out God's provisions right there. One of the things I want you guys to see as you guys transition into this summer is that there are going to be a whole set of things that, that occur that are going to feel like trials. You guys have seen so much that has happened here maybe this spring semester as you've seen God move in your life. He's, he's moving in other people's lives and you're going to step away from this place this summer. And let me guarantee you a few things. First of all, you guys are going to have trials. Uh, as you guys take away from here, whether you're going to a Christian camp and you're going to be a counselor, whether you're going on a mission trip, as a student, whether you're going into a corporate internship or whether you're just going to be a nanny and babysitting for some family, I don't care what role you're going to have this summer. You guys are going to encounter some trials in your transition. Let me assure you of that. So don't be surprised, all right? But what I want you guys to notice, though, is as Israel experienced them, they fare very poorly. But what is God wanting to do in the midst of those trials? I want you guys to see those as opportunities because what God wants to do for Israel is the same thing he's going to want to do for you this summer. In the midst of the trials that you encounter, there are going to be opportunities. Opportunities for what, though? What does God want that to be an opportunity for you? I think what he wants for you to see is that you would have an opportunity to hear him and to see him move. You've heard him and you've seen him move all spring. But he still wants to do that this summer. And as you guys encounter trials this summer, whatever your summer looks like, I want you guys to realize that those are going to be the same kinds of opportunities to both hear him and see him as you had all spring and fall. Why? Because God wants to teach you that he is the same here in College Station as he is overseas, as he is in school, as he is in a job, as he is in a home, as he is in a roommate situation. That God is the same no matter your transition, no matter your change, no matter where you go. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so no matter where you go, no matter the transition that you make, he is going to remain the same. So in the midst of the kinds of trials that you're going to have, let me encourage you, they are opportunities to hear and to see him move. And so will you trust him to do that and will you seek him? Because notice, even as he provides, he's providing as a test. Even as he provides in your transition, what he's wanting you to do as he provides is to see him and hear him. Because what he wants for you now as he wants for you this summer is to hear him and obey him. The spiritual life is that simple. We, we can dress it up with all kinds of difficult, controversial questions like we've done all semester long. But all God wants you to do is to hear him and obey him. For some of you guys this semester, as you guys have walked, as you guys have been here, as you guys have walked through different situations, some of y'all have actually never heard the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of y'all may have heard it, but maybe have yet not received it or responded to it, and that God, seeing in eternity past, looked upon some and elected them, meaning that he looked upon some and extended his love. And that what he wants is he looks out on a fallen group of humanity that has sinned and been separated from him, that what he wants is for them to be reconciled to himself. And he did that by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who died on your behalf, took the penalty of your sins so that you could have life again. For some of y'all, y'all need to hear that message for the first time, or you need to hear it again, and you need to respond, and you have that opportunity today. As the semester ends, maybe he's been pulling at you and pursuing you all semester long, and what he wants more than anything is for you just to respond and enter into a relationship with him for the first time. Some of you guys have already responded to that message, and you've already been coming here all semester long, and the question will be, will you continue to listen to him this summer? 
I had all kinds of dreams when I left for the summer. I had all kinds of games and hours spent toward video games and all kinds of TV shows I wanted to catch up on. Maybe you guys have missed Lost this season. You're thinking, okay, great. I got two weeks finally, right? I don't know what it is you're hoping to do with your summer. I will tell you, though, you're going to have no schedule for the most part for bits of it. And so let me assure you that a few things I want to challenge you toward. Three different, three basic things, all right? One, I want to challenge you guys to stay in the Word. Some of you guys have been in Bible studies this semester. Some of you guys have been here every Sunday hearing uh, us open the scriptures and tackle and ask and, and look, what does the scripture say? What I want to encourage you guys to do is find a place and find a Bible study, find a group that you're going to continue to stay in the word this summer. If you stop listening to the word, you're going to lose your most normative means to hear the word of God. Second of all, I'd say stay in community. Some of you guys, the reason you guys have grown so much is not just because you've been in a church setting that actually is really impersonal at times, but you guys have actually been in a community with people that you're walking life out with that know you and that are challenging you. The greatest challenge, I think, of summer sometimes is that we get isolated from one another. We take off and we go to separate places with people who don't know us and who can't hold us accountable and who can't necessarily know how to encourage us. So let me challenge you guys to find community and to stay in community. To not just continue to hear the voice of the Lord, but continue to hear the voice of His people and to do life with His people. And the third thing let me challenge you guys with is to be ambassadors of the gospel. To not just stay in the Word, to stay in community, but lastly to share the gospel. Some of you guys are going to have opportunities this summer that you've not had all school year. Or maybe you had have had all school year, but you've not taken as good of an opportunity with. Some of you guys are going to be doing internships surrounded with the world and people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you may be the best example, the best ambassador that they're going to have. And so let me encourage you guys to be bold, to stand up for Christ, even though you may be the youngest person in an internship. To, to be a witness, to proclaim him, to proclaim his death, burial, resurrection, and to represent him and to serve and to, uh, to work in such a kind of way that would bring glory and honor to him. I don't care what situation you're stepping into. That's my hope for you guys, that you guys could stay in the Word, that you could stay in community, and that you could be the kinds of people that would be bold as you share the gospel. You guys are going to have a great summer, and our hope for you guys and our prayer for you guys as you all take off is that you guys would do those three things, that you continue to listen, that you continue to obey Him, that you continue to walk life out with the community of the people of God, that you'd find the people of God, and that you guys would be ambassadors of the gospel. I told you guys as we started out this semester that our hope is that you guys would be raised up as next-generation leaders That's the first half. The second half is to reach our world for Christ. The joy for us as a college of ministry is also the curse and that you guys would leave us. But again, that's our goal. Our goal is to raise you guys up and send you guys out. And for some of y'all, the summer is a little taste, a little internship of what that's about to be like as you guys leave. My hope for you guys as y'all walk through that is you get a sense of what it looks like as you guys go into a, a new environment, into a new city maybe, into a new company that you don't know people, that you guys would be the kinds of people that would bear the message of Jesus Christ and represent him so well. So that's my hope for you guys. We'll be praying for you guys this summer. And again, if y'all are going to be here this summer, we'll be back in here come May 30th. We love you guys a ton. We'll be praying for you guys as y'all transition this summer. And please keep in touch with us, all right? So let me pray for us. Father God, we give you great thanks um, that you have done so much this semester. Not just in our own personal lives, but even in the lives of so many of our friends and our roommates. And um, getting to have an opportunity to even see that first row sometimes has been such a joy, Lord. Thank you. And Father, I pray for us as we, part, as we, in a sense, partake and, and, and depart from this place and as we transition for many of us into either internships or home settings or different kinds of roles in different places, Lord. I pray that you give us courage to represent you, that we would shine brightly the message and the love of Jesus Christ, and that we would be winsome as we represent you, that we would be winsome as we speak your truth, and that we would be bold as we just represent you, um, that you'd give us awesome opportunities with neighbors, with friends, high school friends, with coworkers, with people that will be serving alongside of the Lord. I pray that you would just give us courage um, to face you, that even in the midst of the trials that we'll face, even three days after we leave here, I pray that you give us the kind of faith that would endure. 
kind of courage that would continue to trust you, that would preserve and stay faithful to you. And may you allow us to continue to hear you and continue to respond to you in faith. Lord, we ask for these things this morning through your Son and by your Spirit. Amen. You guys have a great summer, and we'll see some of you guys back in a few weeks, and we'll see the rest of you guys back next fall. Love you guys. Y'all have a great summer.